0: Merry Christmas. Um, It seems as I get older, um, I don't know if any of you felt this. uh, The Christmas season seems increasingly more paradoxical as the years go by. Um, I don't know if it's time or it's my age, um, but I can feel it. It's like a competition within me between this call that the season has for us to be in peace and find joy, and at the same time, I feel compelled into this hurriedness or rushedness or this uh, consumerism that almost brings up this seasonal anxiety, just even driving. I was uh, driving my mother around today and then uh, yesterday to help her run some errands. She's a little older, and just the amount and volume of traffic lined up everywhere just started making my heart race a little more. I could not believe how difficult it was just to get from one part of town to the other, just to get things done. I thought, wow, this is just the the opposite of exactly what the season is, and that's no one to blame, it's not saying it's anyone's fault, it's just the nature of the way things have progressed it seems, and I'm sure my parents felt that way when I was young. I just didn't pay attention to any of that because I just cared about the you know, the toys and the gifts and things. So if we aren't careful, we can feel more tired than at peace. Along with hurriedness, there's also this blur between devotion and sentimentality. This time of the year would call us to something of uh, depth, something that goes a little deeper than maybe what we catch the normal part of the year spiritually. That's why there's these ecclesiastical or church markers on our calendar, right? Throughout the year... It might be Christmas, it might be Easter, might be some other holy day or something. And it's kind of like in all the busyness of life, right? Those are kind of like road signs somewhere that say, hey, wait a minute. It's the flashing sign, Christmas, Easter. And that's not making light of that. That's actually a way that the church in the past, by putting together holy days or marking certain events in the life of our Lord and the church, When they've elevated those days above and beyond things, some church traditions look and go, why do you make such a big deal about that? And that's because, well, because the Christian life can be pedestrian, right? Just like walking along, and all of a sudden, if we're not careful, we can get distracted and caught up in all the things. And holy days like this are like those flashing red signs that tell us to stop for a minute and wait a minute, look. Not necessarily even a warning sign, just to grab our attention, right? So instead of sentimentality, it calls us for devotion, looking for something deep and meaningful, but it's easy to get drawn into the sentimentality of the season, right? I was going to Dallas a couple years ago where my high school best friend lives, and there was a a tradition where his sister, who's a close friend of mine as well, would buy him a Star Wars Christmas ornament because he... He said the greatest event next to the birth of his children was the Star Wars movie coming out years ago. <laughs> his wife does not look happy when he says that. But so the tradition is his sister would get him a Christmas ornament that was Star Wars or something. And so the I remember her complaining she couldn't find a particular figure or something. She looked and looked, and this was a big deal to her because it was sentimental. And there's something special about family and sentimentality, but it kind of eclipsed, you know, what we really look for in the Christmas season. So even in churches, we might find sentimentality or some something that maybe looks a little more entertainment-based and something that just calls us into something deeper in us, right? And then there's this cultural tug-of-war we hear about in Christmas every year. Holiday, yes, Christmas, hmm. And we find Christ sometimes excluded from his own birthday celebration and I always wondered, but why? Why would a meat baby born 2,000 years ago make persons nervous? The angels could say to our culture today, fear not, but what are we afraid of? So our reading describes the Christmas story, and it gives, and the meaning there leaves little room for emotional pleasantries, because underneath the surface there's serious going on. The birth of a child. I mean, it's a beautiful scene, but you have angelic beings appearing. You have messengers from heaven meeting people and telling them about this cosmic event that's taking place. And you have a couple who are journeying while pregnant. And one of our readings calls or refers to this person that's born as the blessed hope. And alludes to the next time he'll come is the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The gospel account tells of angels declaring from heaven the birth of our Lord. And this birth is what is basically a barn to a poor family. And while the announcement is spectacular, the arrival appears very different. There is something intimidating about this arrival of our Lord. It's the antithesis of what we picture is greatness, isn't it? Greatness is estimated by our culture and world as strength, power, and visibility are renowned. Those persons who display strength and dominance are the ones that we would look at as being great and to look up to and trusted. Some studies indicate that politicians and business leaders who display humility or meekness are actually perceived as undesirable or ineffective. And yet God himself the most powerful being there is, displays himself in the meekest and even weakest form imaginable as a baby. It's here we see the paradox. The angels declare to the shepherds, fear not. And when they are told where to find the Savior, they explain, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. The good news is great joy. And this precious gift is for all people. But why are people afraid? Why are people afraid of a Christmas story? Have you ever seen persons who are not comfortable with infants? Um, When they are handed a baby to hold, they look nervous or they fidget. Uh, They don't exactly know what to do. They feel a little uncomfortable, especially if you've got... uh, some of you have friends. You may have had children before some of your friends, and you hand it to them, and they, they don't really know what to do. So you think, why are you afraid of something that's so innocent and tiny, right? So it's interesting that something so tiny and so small and so uh, the least harmful thing can create intimidation and nervousness in someone. The angel takes us in all of humanity to the manger where lays the Christ child, and Mary picks up the baby the Christ child that the church says is God in the flesh. And we think about how overwhelming that is when we think about it, that God was born. So she places the baby Jesus in this year and in this time to us in our hands. So if we're the shepherds, if we're the ones in the wilderness or in the field, And the angels declare to us a Savior's born, and they say, fear not. And we go to the Christ child, and Mary hands the child to us. And you take the Christ child, and you hold the Christ child close to your heart, and you look into his eyes, and you realize deeply that God came as the Christ child, and that's for you. And there's something interesting about the words of he will judge the people's And what's judgment in the form of a little baby? But I've said before that I think we give judgment a bad rap because judgment isn't something that is meant in the Bible is to shame people or embarrass them. Judgment is meant to compel people or call them to be better. It's to call or compel them to look outside of themselves. It's to say, look, Um, you don't have the resources to handle this on your own. You can't do this by yourself. You actually might screw this up. You need help. And that's not judgment that's meant to shame or embarrass somebody. So we hold the Christ child that Mary hands us, and we look at the Christ child. And in this offer, when we hold the Christ child, we're forced to answer the question, what do I do with this baby? What do we do with Christ when he's handed to us? What does that speak to us and what does that say to us? The Christmas story in Luke has God coming in the most gentle form possible as the meekest and lowliest of persons and humanity or we are uncomfortable with him. We get nervous, we fidget, we fret. As Mary hands us the Christ child, the baby Jesus, and we hold him and gaze into his eyes, we see in his eyes the reflection of something that at one time draws us, but at the same time compels us to turn away. We see in the eyes of baby Jesus this Christmas the reflection of the cross of Calvary. Because Christmas reminds us that everyone needs a Savior, and it shows us that the God of heaven Defied humanity's understanding of what they should be or what they need. What we needed was a Savior, and God models for us how to truly live and what it means to be truly human. We find this starting in the manger. God coming to earth as a baby and reflecting what humanity should be, and the cross in his future reveals that God has taken a personal interest. In each and every single person here, God's personally interested in each and every one of you. And God is personally concerned about the situation you're in, wherever your life has you. And he comes in a way that's the least intimidating, the least off-putting. But when he comes that way, there's still something about it that makes us nervous at the same time. We might think God's overwhelming. We might think God is this angry person. We might think God, but God at this season says, I'm coming to you in the form of the most innocent, weakest, lowliest form possible. So I'm the easiest to take a hold of. Regardless of your situation or circumstances, God is deeply concerned about you because he stepped into time in the most approachable form possible. So do you see that when you think of the Christ child and if you can visualize that in your mind or when you drive by and see a manger scene somewhere, do you realize that the Christ child is for you? That you are the shepherds, I am the shepherd, you're the shepherds that the angels came and announced to and said, a savior is born. Do not be afraid. That Christ's child is for you and the gift of eternal life is for you. The gift of God's healing, forgiveness, and the new birth is for you. So I'll close in saying when we finally understand that Christ is for you is when you take Christ in your arms and hold him. And maybe as a baby, that's the easiest way to do that. That God's personal interest in you and in your life and situation, regardless of where you find yourself, means he's approachable and he wants you to approach him. When you receive Christ as Savior, you do not have to be afraid of God or how God views you because his coming to earth as a human shows God already knew your situation and need. He didn't stomp on the earth, as some of the old stories and religions have, as this thundering, mighty person with clouds and thunder, but instead in the lowliest form as a child. God already knows your hurts, your losses, your wounds, whether those wounds are self-inflicted, your traumas, your isolations, your failures. Everything that has resulted due to this world we live in, that's a distortion of the good God gave us and put in us, God already knew that. And he entered into this world and in our situation knowing that. And he came and entered this world in the most approachable way possible as a little child. And if you will take the Christ child in your arms and embrace him, you will find that this child can and will carry surprisingly And contrary to what we think and hear in our culture today, this child can carry all your burdens as he is your blessed hope.